Mike, I guess uh, they're going to let us do a second episode. Yes, the bosses here at the Seahawk Perch have been very generous. They've upped my pay 10%, and here we are for week two. Yes, a uh, successful first outing, I suppose, other than the audio quality, which is a little iffy. Hopefully we can improve on that this time around. But I am Brant Wilkerson New. He is Michael Barnes, camera two, super fan, uh, various other names, depending on uh, which team uh, you're asking in the CAA. How's it going? Going well, Brent. How are you? Eh, not too bad for a Monday, you know. Um, pretty excited for conference tournament week, as always, even though uh, we're, we're going in as the last seed. It doesn't really feel like we're the worst team uh, going to the basketball tournament, so that's pretty neat. Uh, you know, I have to go back and look. Uh, how many conference games were played? Seven? Like like half of them. But yeah, well, for, uh, for UNCW, UNCW played, seven. I think uh, seven, eight. Two against Towson, two against Hofstra, two against Delaware, and then one against Elon. Yeah. So, is that right? Yeah. I want to say maybe except for the Hofstra games, I think UNCW was favored in every other game, you know, not by some large number, but, you know, because of either being home or, and I don't think Towson was predicted to be all that great. Uh, I think UNCW was the favorite, but the depth I feel like is kind of what did them in uh, as far as the actual performances go on the court. Yeah, yeah. And even those Hofstra games, they led those games um, in the second half of both of those. So um, I guess we'll get more into that a little bit later and our feelings on (laughs) what's going to happen in Harrisonburg in this tournament that no one really um, has any. I think, you know, there's kind of one team that stands above the rest. But aside from that, no one has any idea what's going to happen. Uh, Baseball field, a little more successful uh, this weekend. Uh, Two won two out of three against Western Carolina after a a bit of a kind of a shocking performance on Friday night that left Randy Hood a little disappointed in his club, but came back, got two wins, won the series, looked pretty good doing it. Um, You were out at Brooksfield all weekend and fans were back. How, uh, what was the the scene like with a little more energy in the place? Yeah, the vibe was good, you know, good to have people back. Um, a beautiful weekend, you know, it was in the 70s, I think, for the most part, when people were out there, as opposed to last weekend, the weekend before, where people were bundling up with their blankets and sleeping bags and whatnot, uh, you know, T-shirts and shorts this weekend. The, uh, I guess they're still splitting it up a little bit. So the people, the 100 people that were allowed to be there last weekend, you know, basically the pass list, the parents, family members, if you will, uh, they get to be in the grandstands with the seat backs and then currently the, I guess the extra 400 that are going on sale to the Seahawk club members, the students, the uh, walk-ups the day of, if there's any available, they get to sit in the general admission bleachers. So still an interesting dynamic, but definitely the players were, uh, as you mentioned, they're a little bit more amped up. And I I think there's a little bit of a synergy there, a little bit of back and forth uh, amplification, if you will, when you have the players right there, and the fans right behind them. So um, slowly, slowly inching back to normal uh, in some of these aspects. So uh, the takeaway from that series, kind of um, the offense came alive. Uh, Pitching got itself in and out of a few jams here and there. Bullpen was still solid. Um, Western Carolina is probably a little better than we imagined coming in. Uh, They came out and just smashed the ball on Friday. What was you know, it's hard to tell exactly watching it on, on flow, 
Um, I know afterward, um, Matt Sugg said there's a little chirping back and forth and Western kind of came out with energy and, and UNCW didn't. What was what was the feeling there in the stadium? Did, did Western just show up to play and UNCW didn't? Well, I mean, we talked about their weekend series against Towson the weekend before where they put up, you know, some gaudy offensive statistics, Western Carolina, that is. And, you know, from my vantage point, I said, well, that's Towson. You know, they're not really the cream of the crop of the CAA UNCW is. So, you know, it's not going to be that easy to put up that kind of offensive output against UNCW, but then Friday night rolls around and, you know, it wasn't some ridiculous, you know, 19 run output or anything like that, but uh, they put up the offense and they really, you know, their starting pitcher specifically shut down UNCW's offense. So, um, and, and throughout the rest of the weekend, Western Carolina was, was in those games and, and scoring runs all along. So, I agree with you. It looks like uh, if nothing else, they can hit the ball and uh, hopefully they can, you know, be a force there in uh, what is it? SoCon. Yeah. SoCon. Uh, they've, they've been a pretty decent team in the SoCon uh, probably a little better than you would expect for a team that deals with kind of stuff they deal with out and being in Callaway, being in cold weather and the mountains and all that football stuff. school, right? Football yeah. school. I'm oh, sorry. It's a football school, right? Yeah, football school. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's more of just a mountain school. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it turned into a pretty good series Saturday and Sunday. UNCW uh, got got down early again on Saturday. Um, then on Sunday had a big lead, saw that big lead dwindle away. And then both, those, both times uh, when UNCW got behind, when UNCW went ahead and, and got a little closer, you kind of saw a little bit more grit out of uh, out of the Seahawks versus Friday night win. Uh, <laughs> once Western kind of got that lead, it was like, all right, well, let's just play Saturday. Yeah, that was a tough one being out there on on Friday for sure. It's just you know when no- nothing's gone right for you the whole game pretty much, and and you know some of those some of that offensive output to to UNCW's credit, I guess, you know, came off of uh, you know an error here or a, a ball hit up the middle off the pitcher's foot there, so it, it wasn't all necessarily like doubles roped into the gap you know there was a little bit of um bounces that went in the right direction but that's what it takes to win a ball game that's kind of what happened for uncw on saturday as well and then on sunday did just enough to to stay ahead and then pull away at the end to get the series win um like you said there was uh, there was definitely some energy on the field back and forth got a little chippy little little talking back and forth uh, as, as Coach Hood said, uh, you know, everyone stayed within the lines. You know, it's good to have that energy back and forth. Uh, I like it for sure. I don't think anyone really stepped out of line. I think, look, if, if you make a play, you know, you've earned the right to maybe strut a little bit or, or you know, kind of look back at the other dugout or something like that. I, I think that's all in good fun. And as long as UNCW keeps winning five out of six games, they'll be on the better side of it, uh, you know, in the long run. Five out of six gets you uh, gets you to a number one seed, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think the Western's a team that UNCW hasn't really played all that often, but ended up on the schedule this year more out of the kind of regional scheduling model. And I think it's um, I think it's pretty cool because a lot of these kids know each other from you know starting when they start playing travel ball in high school and all that stuff. So I think that adds a little more emotion versus what you're going to get versus some Midwestern team that's just coming down here to play a few uh, against us and then go down to coastal or something like that. So hopefully, you know, uh, it, it'll, it makes sense 
it doesn't make sense to just to play in-state teams just to play them in, in every case. Like, you know, sometimes you've got to think about the RPI and what it does for the strength of the schedule. But I think in general, uh, if we can find more opponents that are a little closer to home, it, it's nothing but a good thing for us. I think it just makes it more fun, too, to have that, you know, local competition. Like you said, you know, some of the players might know each other from growing up. I know certainly the coaching staff knows the opposing kids a little bit better than, you know, let's say a team from Cincinnati comes down. You probably don't really – you're not really that familiar with those kids at all. Um, you know, the fans can travel under normal circumstances. So whether they're coming here or we're going there, you know, you can kind of bring a uh, contingent with you. So – I'm definitely all for the local stuff. Um, keep it going. Yeah. And I'm especially, you know, going to your point about recruiting Friday night, um, coach hood was talking several times about the fact that he, we tried to recruit uh, Zebby Matthews was, who was the pitcher for Western that really uh, went out and shut us down on Friday night. Um, would have been certainly nice to have him on the staff, but uh, not to, to say that we're disappointed with what we've got, especially with Ryan Calvert going out and making a great start on Sunday. His uh, first collegiate start uh, just went out and, and did, you know, a, a solid job on Sunday. What, uh, what did you take from his start? Yeah, Ryan really looked great. Just, you know, came out, wasn't scared. You know, like sometimes you think, you know, especially look back to last week, uh, Ethan a little bit, you know, maybe there were some nerves that took over and, those pitches weren't as crisp and weren't exactly located where he wanted them to be kind of really the opposite here for Ryan. He was locating really well and attacking the hitters had a, a fair amount of strikeouts there uh, in his collegiate debut, just kind of ran out of gas at the end. Uh, he was looking real good. Only had, I believe one earned run through four and two thirds and then uh, hit a guy, gave up two hits. And then uh, unfortunately uh, Jason Hudak couldn't really bail him out there. But uh, solid debut, and I think, you know, the future is bright for that young man. Hopefully he can go out there this week, whatever day it may be, and uh, improve upon that outing. Yeah, he went four and two-thirds, uh, ended up with uh, three armed runs by way of the, uh, the the guys that were on base were his responsibility from the uh, – in, in the grand slam. Good thing I can talk. Um, but he struck out six, uh, only walked one, so – Pretty good situation there we've got going with with him. And, you know, Ethan Chenault obviously had some great stuff uh, last Sunday. Wasn't control, wasn't necessarily there, but obviously had the velocity and, and everything. And, um, you know, wherever he ends up, uh, obviously it seems he's like he's going to end up making a difference for this team, whether it's out of the bullpen or um, whether it's a midweek starter. But um, I guess that doesn't matter this week because four-game series of Cincinnati, so both those freshmen are likely to get – another start, which is going to be uh, pretty awesome before you go into, uh, before you get into CAA play, getting the, those freshman uh, weekend starts. And, and ultimately you'll have those midweek games coming up uh, in a couple of weeks as well. So having four games a week is nothing out of the ordinary, um, but it always takes that initial feeling out period to kind of see where uh, everything settles out. Uh, you know, you got to be, you got to feel good with the guys like Landon Roop and Luke Giselle you know, your Friday, Saturday guys. I mean, really, they're both kind of Friday guys. Luke certainly has been before. Uh, they're not yet firing at all cylinders, I would say. You know, you're, you're probably looking to get a little bit more out of those guys with those starts. Uh, but as you kind of referenced earlier on, man, that bullpen, there's some solid guys in there that have done some solid work. Adam Smith, um, Bryce Coda, Hunter Hodges kind of at the top of that list right now coming out there and really uh, holding the fort down and honestly winning games on the back end as opposed to getting like a, 
you know, a long, deep start from some of your starters. Yeah, uh, Adam Smith is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty interesting to add of your, the guy that you kind of consider your closer. He's gone 6.1 innings and he's been awesome. Uh, Hunter Hodges was incredible on Sunday when he came in and closed the door uh, to, to finish that win. But um, when you look at kind of the, the inning by inning, it's pretty obvious where the problem is for UNCW. And it seems maybe it's not getting to that bullpen fast enough because, you know, it starts out pretty well. UNCW has given up one in the first, two in the second, three in the third, three in the fourth, and then 12 in the fifth. And that's kind of been the, the, the that's the point where uh, it, it's run into trouble in, uh, in all of the games that have been close. And then after that, uh, UNCW goes to the bullpen and things settle down and uh, UNCW has only allowed nine runs over the final four innings of game. So um, I, I guess that's kind of the thing that you have to figure out early in the season. And you're, you're dealing with some other stuff. You're dealing with pitch counts and things like that, where, you know, maybe later in the season, you might want to, you might run one of those starters a little bit longer or something like that. So, um, I mean, nothing but confidence so far out of what we've seen out of the pitching staff, considering Luke Giselle and uh, uh, Landon Root probably haven't pitched as well as they can. And I think they tell you the same thing. You know, I think they expect better out of themselves, but at the same time, you're right. Look, it's two starts in the season. You know, you're not going to throw a, you know, a nine inning complete game on the opening day or, you know, or second weekend of the year. So uh, I think that will come, you know, that that longer outing, that six, seven, eight inning outing from those guys. Meanwhile, um, over on the uh, the batting side, the, the bats are alive and well, um, you know, VCU series, they weren't firing on all cylinders necessarily, but uh, they really came to play in this one. Uh, Brooks Baldwin kept things rolling. Kip Brandenburg had a great series. Uh, Cole Weiss kept it rolling, kind of. He's been pretty steady throughout the, both series so far. And then Matt Suggs getting his first action of the se- season coming off the oblique injury. Um, had a kind of tough outing Friday, a little bit better Saturday, and then he exploded on Sunday with a, a four RBI performance. Yeah, definitely. There's, you know, a solid, I'd, you know, I'd say a solid six guys or so that are, you know, really seem to be in the groove right now on the offensive side. If just that, you know, that other third of the lineup can really get to clicking, not that they're, you know, not firing completely, but uh, if, if just three more guys can really get in there and step up, man, uh, you know, you were talking about what the possibilities could be for this year, but man, if you got a lineup, you know, top to bottom, and you got that type of rotation and bullpen. I mean, that's the complete picture right there. Yeah, it's uh, and another guy you know as you kind of look down the list, Chris Thorburn. He's a guy that's appeared in five games, and um, he hasn't started, but he keeps finding himself in the middle of stuff where you know he had the walk off walk to uh, win one of the games against VCU, and then it's his fly ball that looks uh, you know it looks like a pretty catchable ball. I think in Saturday's game that ends up falling in and uh, Kip Brandenburg scores the go-ahead run. So uh, it doesn't hurt to have one of those guys who just uh, luck seems to follow through the lineup there. You know, for having nine at-bats, he's got three RBIs. He's right up there towards the top of guys, you know, driving runs in. So like you said, he finds himself in those clutch situations. I don't think it's by coincidence. Um, But, you know, again, still early on, just trying to fit all the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, there's always going to be pieces that rotate in and out depending on opponent and circumstances and all that. But, um, you know, early on in the season, if five and one, you got to feel pretty good about things so far. 
another big uh, opportunity coming up this weekend with Cincinnati coming to town. Um, they are not um, not a traditionally strong program. They've gotten a little better recently under this new coach. Um, they've had a tough go of it uh, so far this year. Um, but, um, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at uh, you might be looking at an eight and two situation. Uh, you could be looking at a nine and one situation here in the first week of March. So um, did you know Sandy Koufax went to Cincinnati? I did not know that, Brent. Yes, that was uh, the most interesting piece of information that I found on, uh, on Cincinnati baseball last night when I was doing a little bit of reading. Um, yeah, it's been tough for Cincinnati. They, uh, they ran into some... They ran into some some problems down in Clemson and against Western Kentucky. So, yep. uh, certainly going to be looking for another series win. Um, anything that has surprised you or kind of jumped out to you so far that, that you weren't expecting? Whew, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say Kip Brandenburg batting you know close to four hundred to start off this season with. You know, last season, you know, you, I guess at the end of the day, you kind of throw it up as, you know, with an asterisk, not like the Houston Astros kind, but, you know, it's an anomaly. Uh, and, you know, Kip, a guy that uh, was highly recruited out of, I think, the Greensboro area, went to Carolina, just wasn't the fit for him, you know, ends up here at the beach. And just, you know, he, you know, talking about firing all cylinders, I feel like last year just never really got to fire on all cylinders. But, man, he came out the gate looking good and he's hitting the ball well. Um, you know, getting on base, driving runs in. So, you know, not that we didn't think he couldn't do it, but, you know, there he is up at the top of that uh, stat sheet, you know, looking pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brooks Baldwin's a, a guy that um, has <laughs> – it's funny because, uh, you, you know, you look up and down the lineup and you say, who's, who's going to be the home run leader on this bunch? Out of this bunch, uh, you're probably not picking the hit. You know, he's a guy, the, the bat's working well for him and, you know, playing whatever position is, is asked of him, center field, right field, back to center field and making plays out there. He's tracking balls down. He's throwing guys out at third uh, from right field, making, you know, stellar throws. Um, you know, uh, they, there's been a lot that's been said about him this past week or so, and it's, uh, you know, for good reason. Yeah, he's uh, he's hit safely in every game, and four out of six games he's got uh, two hits. So uh, seeing the ball really well, and uh, he's not just he's not just getting on with uh, little piecemeal hits here and there. I mean, he's uh, he is knocking the crap out of the ball. Um, so uh, as we're moving forward, uh, I think the the one guy that I'm most excited to see uh, going forward is is Noah Bridges. Obviously, came out missed the first weekend and got a got back in the lineup this weekend. Um, did you know played okay considering it was his first weekend. Got a couple of hits, but um, considering the way that this team is going to play uh, based on speed and contact and moving runners over, I think he's going to be a, a really big part of this team's success. Well, you talked about uh, Matt Suggs, for example, a guy that, you know, whose Friday and Saturday weren't that great and then kind of broke out on Sunday. Not exactly the same for Noah Bridges. He's still, you know, trying to figure it out there right now. I think you're going to see him right back out there in center field on, on Thursday. And hopefully, you know, he can get back in the groove. <clears throat> I look at a guy like Ron Evans as well, you know, a true freshman last season who came out of the gate on fire and, uh, you know, didn't maintain it through the course of the, you know, the last few weeks last season and hasn't quite found it yet this season either. Um, 
you know, with seeing what a positive start he had to last season, I hope a kid like him can, you know, regain that form as well. Yeah, I mean, eventually it's going to come, just the, the raw power that we saw out of him in the first uh, first couple of weeks last year. Um, that's that's something that you can't really teach, and that's, that's something you have uh, within you, and it doesn't go away. So that's going to show up at some point here. Uh, power numbers, you know. Um, still not expecting this to be a big power team, but did put two home runs on the board this past weekend. Um, got a couple extra base hits. So um, really the bats are bats are headed in the right direction. So we're feeling pretty good going into the Cincinnati series. Uh, it's a good weekend to, uh, to come down to Wilmington. I think I, I was tempted to make the trip down Saturday. I was thinking it was going to be a little rainy and then, uh, it turned out to be like a beautiful, just gorgeous, sunny day here. So I'm really disappointed I didn't get down there. The forecast uh, looks good for Thursday and Friday. I didn't look much further past that, but I think uh, they're going to be playing ball as scheduled on Thursday and Friday for sure. And Red Dogs reopens on Thursday night. So Is that official? <laughs> I, well, yeah. Jimmy's has been open throughout, no? Yeah, I think Jimmy's has been open. I saw Red Dogs on. <laughs> I still follow all like the old bars on Instagram for some reason or other, just to, to give myself like the nostalgia. But yes, uh, Red Dogs is coming back this Thursday, according to Instagram. So uh, enjoy the free advertising, Red Dogs. Uh, you, you've always been there for me. So I think I could be. hear at the like the 2 p.m. press conference. Was it last Wednesday from Governor Cooper? Yeah. You know, when it was announced that the curfew was lifted and that bars could serve until 11, like you could hear a collective uh, jubilation from the city of, of Wilmington, the new Hanover County and whatnot. Well, I am uh, I'm looking forward to, to DDing and, uh, you know, uh, being there for all those have been, who've been there for me through the year. So um, I gave up alcohol, but for a brief uh, period on Saturday night, I thought about drowning my sorrows after the basketball game. <laughs> Great transition, Brent. Yeah, I do what I can. Um, man, what a crappy, crappy ending for just everything that has happened to this team this year. It's 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 been something to behold. Every I've never seen so many things go wrong for one team, and yet they keep they keep showing up. They keep playing. And uh, I was doing the math and it was, you know, the season had been 93 days, I think, going into Saturday and 53 of those days, UNCW had spent not playing. Right. And, and then, or practicing probably for the most part, you know? Yeah. A, a lot of that time not practicing and because of the number situation, not really practicing five on five much all year. Um, definitely yeah. not with players. They've had to stick coaches and Craig Ponder and things like that into their, their scrimmages. But um Saturday, uh, you know, it, it, they looked like a team that had spent the last 27 days not playing basketball. I forget exactly the number they got down by. I think it was 23, um, and it was like 30 to 9, and I was just like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's This team has, has gone through everything this year. I can see why they wouldn't have anything left in the tank. And then they just start playing. They, they keep playing. They keep playing better. And ultimately they take the lead in the second half and uh, it's going back and forth and they've got the lead and uh, Shaquem Phillips played great first basketball game in just under a year. Um, he'd, yeah. he'd been out for since the preseason dealing with the infection in his leg, which is a serious thing. I mean, he wasn't even able to work out for months. So um, man, what a, what a game to come down to 
a crazy turnover and then uh, an off balance three by a guy that's a 35% three point shooter for his whole career. So uh, did, did you guys get to watch that one after the baseball game or uh, did you stay uh, you know, away because you heard the score? <laughs> I, so I did not get an invite to the game. I believe, uh, you know, there was more fans there than have been uh, the, the rest of the season, but you know, they go down the Seahawk club priority list and, I'm not sure what the exact number was there. Let's call it 700, maybe. You know, I don't have that much money to be in the top 700, I guess. Um, but I, I know, you know, a lot of the fans that are regulars at the baseball game were excited about the, you know, the ability to go to the baseball game and then turn right around and go to the basketball game. Um, you know, it, it sounds great to outscore an opponent by 20 points over the last, uh, you know, 30 minutes of a ball game, but. Uh, given the fact that you were outscored by 23 in the first 10, you know, bittersweet, but uh, you know, just, I think you gotta, you know, the, the old cliche is, you know, you, you forget about, you learn from it and you forget about it and you move on. And um, in a year where there's been, as you said, weeks between games, fingers crossed, you know, this week, there's only uh, seven days between games for the Seahawks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that <clears throat> fans aren't going to be allowed to get into the tournament because um, if you were, it would be a heck of a tournament to go see because I have never been less certain of what is going to happen uh, in, that, in that arena because um, I think Northeastern, who is the favorite, could show up and win it, but they've been on a little COVID break of their own. Um, well, I guess the entire conference has kind of been. Right. Yeah, I mean, last weekend was the UNCW Elon game. And I think there was what a James Madison Drexel game, maybe on Friday night. Yeah. And then everybody else so, canceled uh, for the weekend. Right. Uh, not clear if that's because of COVID issues or because they had just gotten so far that they were like, all right, let's not blow this going into the tournament. Well, I, I think it was because of COVID issues for, uh, what was it? Hofstra and Northeastern Towson and Charleston. Um, so I guess, uh, who am I leaving out here? Delaware. And, uh, I guess William and Mary were yeah, healthy William. and just were victims of, of COVID cancellations. But I mean, that being said, when's the last time, you know, only four teams have played within a week of the conference tournament, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's, so we really have no idea who is going to show up. And um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we get a day or two out on this thing and we find out that, that somebody's not going to be able to play or if they are able to play, they're going to be fielding a team that is pretty depleted. Um, UNCW is going to match up with William and Mary on Saturday night, um, which will be great because <laughs> baseball will lead right into that. So um, there'll be a, a good tailgate for some to uh, just keep it rolling throughout the night. Um, I think that UNCW could lose that game probably, but UNCW, I think, I do think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat William and Mary, um, but I could see them losing that game or I could see them getting to the championship game, honestly, because I have no idea <laughs> with what this team is. Um, apparently it seems that John Bowen might be able to play which would be a big deal and, and giving the Seahawks another body in the paint. And uh, with what we saw from Shaikin Phillips uh, running the offense, it looked like um, UNCW has offense hasn't really been the issue this year. Offenses look pretty good, but they took it to another gear with Shaikin Phillips running the show and he played just over 20 minutes, scored 11 points and um, 
I would imagine that he'll probably take another step with what he's able to play in the next weekend. And that really opens things up for everybody else on the floor where Mike Ocaro is able to attack the basket a little bit. Ty Gadsden was um, getting to the basket a little more instead of settling for three. So I think in general, um, UNCW is a team that, that's dangerous. That's um, They've got nothing to lose. They've got, I would say that UNCW has more talent than several of the teams they're going to be lining up against. So just a matter of getting the right breaks. And if they do have enough depth to, uh, to get this thing done in a couple of days, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with, uh, with COVID stuff. Yeah. Well, like you said, you know, not having a true point guard for the better part of the season definitely didn't help things. <laughs> and it's great to see shy out there now. And uh, you know, and if he, he has to sit for a little bit during the tournament, you know, they've got guys that have had some experience now running the point as well. So uh, definitely all good things, I guess, for the Seahawks looking forward. If you have to have two COVID breaks during the season, I guess it was best to have them in January and February. So now uh, you're ready to go, hit the ground running. You know, Charleston had to cancel the two games against UNCW for COVID reasons over the weekend. I mean, how are they going to be able to play on uh, on Sunday? You know, I think they're going to have to make that decision you know, pr- pretty soon if they haven't already. But from everything I've heard, all 10 teams are going to be there. I don't know what the protocol is. If someone gets it, do you get a buy? Do you have to play someone else? Do they switch the brackets around? I mean, it's worth the price of admission just for that. Yeah, it's uh, say Northeastern's the favorite. I think Hofstra's the most talented team in the league, um, at least coming in the preseason. And from what we, we saw from them in Wilmington, they were a great offensive team. They've got a big man that, that can do some things and, Delaware, uh, you know, Delaware has been hit pretty bad with COVID this year, but they're really talented. They've got, they got the guys to do it. And I think Drexel's really got the best player in the league left in Cameron Winter. Uh, James Madison had a great year um, under former Seahawk Mark Byington, but then they lose their best player for the rest of the season, Matt Lewis, who's uh, who went down with an injury in the past couple of weeks. So um, that really opens things up. Otherwise, uh, James Madison would have been the, the favorite playing on their home floor there. So um, really up in the air. Um, I like UNCW and um, even if the Seahawks don't get it done this year, um, I think getting it done this year is asking a lot of a team that that won one conference game and the few that they did play, but I think they're going to go up there and win a game or two and give some people fits. And I feel really good about next year um, based on, what they've got coming back, the way that they've played. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Shaquem Phillips on the floor with, uh, with guys he'll be playing with next year. Agreed. <laughs> Great. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for agreeing. It makes me feel smart. So what's the, uh, the big plan? Uh, Cincinnati Thursday to Sunday, you're going to be what uh, on the production crew for those this weekend. I've got quite a uh, 12 days lined up, Brant. Uh, starting on Wednesday, we've got Ben Soccer against Campbell. That's camera two coming straight into your living room. Uh, you got Thursday, Friday, Cincinnati. Saturday, I got a doubleheader. Uh, women's soccer versus Duke at, I think, two. Baseball at four. I'm not sure how I make it to both, but it's going to happen. Uh, then baseball Sunday at uh, whatever time it is, complete the uh, four-game series there. Monday's a travel day for me. Tuesday, we got 
Uh, the Orioles at the Twins in Fort Myers. Wednesday, we got uh, the Twins at the Rays in Port Charlotte. And then Thursday, we'll figure out where we end up. And uh, Friday, then App State, Saturday, Sunday in Wilmington. Should be 12 games in 12 days by my math. Holy crap. So, <laughs> so uh, are you flying down to Florida or driving down there? Flying. Um, you know, being that pretty much every flight from Wilmington goes through Charlotte anyways, uh, it's Wilmington, Charlotte, Fort Myers, right into Fort Myers. Oh, lovely. I've, I've not visited Fort Myers. I have visited uh, Tampa and Miami and Fort Lauderdale, but I'm sure it's just as lovely as all other parts of Florida. Where... I hear good things. And Tampa's just up the road a little bit. We might, you know, there's no set schedule really, but we've got some games that we're eyeing and hoping to make. In true Florida fashion, just just living by the uh, the wind and uh, the drink specials down, down there. Correct. Correct. Looking for some frozen daiquiris, I guess. We got a uh, lunch review this week. Uh, you know, I can bring up a lunch review real quick. Uh, one more thing, since I mentioned men's soccer, you know, we hadn't really mentioned other teams and whatnot. And, um, you know, maybe we'll bring them up as, as things go on throughout the rest of the, you know, the season, but men's soccer, you know, perennial powerhouse certainly in the CAA and has made some tournament runs as well you know in, in the NCAAs started off the season 2-0 and 1 it's two wins one draw and uh, just today they were announced again in the top 25 of the top drawer poll you know there's not really a AP or USA Today poll for men's soccer but uh, your UNCW Seahawks the number 17 team in the nation so yeah I think maybe students to, uh... can come out to the games I think uh, but I don't think they're selling tickets to the general public aside from that. Yeah. They're letting a few hundred people into, uh, to the soccer matches. Um, yeah. They were up here uh, last weekend, this past weekend. And right. Tied with Duke, which I guess they were the favorite in that game, which is interesting because Duke's always, you know, got a pretty solid program, but yeah, uh, UNCW was the ranked team in that one. Duke was not. Um, so always good to see the soccer Hawks uh, in the top 25 poll. Is that what they're called? I don't know. I guess they are now. Footy Hawks? The Footy Hawks. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you know what? I will shout out. Uh, you mentioned lunch reviews. I mean, we can bring it back. It's, it's been tough, you know, throughout a global pandemic where, you know, maybe you're able to get some curbside or some uh, something to go. It's been tough. But I, I have tried to support local. I've kind of felt a a greater responsibility in this time of need to, you know, throw some cash my neighbor's way rather than go to some big chain or, or something like that. Um, this week we ended up at uh, Saltworks class, a uh, Wilmington staple. Uh, I'm guilty of not going there enough. I, I really should go there more. Bob, the guy that's run the place for years, big Seahawks supporter, went there for uh, like a breakfast brunch on uh, Sunday morning before the game, you know, get your eggs any way you want it, toast, grits, tater tots, French toast, bacon, sausage, the whole nine. It's, and it's so reasonably priced. Everyone's super friendly. You got to go to Saltworks. Yes, I, I, miss, uh, I miss the Saltworks. Many, many a Sunday morning in Saltworks pondering my life uh, and uh, getting, getting back on the horse with the help of hash browns there. So yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's pretty solid episode number two. Um, we will, I guess, hopefully do this a third time.
here shortly after your adventures down in Florida. And we could come to you live from from Florida. We'll see. Oh yeah, we get a we get a special guest from Florida. We might have a, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you want my special guest, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see. What yeah, happens. we'll we'll, uh, we'll look to get a guest on this thing here in the next week or two. Um, people are probably tired of hearing us just prattle on about stuff. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for this week. Uh, the rally it's better than listening to it. your family complain at your house because you're there with them because it's a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Down, download on iTunes. And uh, look out for the Seahawk Rally Cat on Twitter. And coming soon, perch merch. I'm not sure if it will be for sale or for free. Um, still working out well, the, the kinks on that. But we've got uh, we've got a few things coming your way. Hopefully, uh, koozies are going to be the first first piece of uh, perch merch that you can pick up at uh, outside of Brooksfield. Uh, probably before a game uh, at a tailgate. And if you ask nicely, maybe you'll get one for free. With my history of solicitation on campus, don't Google that. Um, <laughs> solicitation, whoa, 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 hold on. I think you need to explain because people, when they hear solicitation, they think of something entirely different than what you mean. Well, especially when they look at, you know, this whole package that I have to offer. Yes, not uh, solicitation so- like you grant, but <laughs> selling goods out of your trunk yeah you know my car trunk um yeah you know i've got a little entrepreneurial spirit in me i guess certainly when i was younger as well and uh you know came up with some clever t-shirts that uh, i thought would appeal to the uncw student base Uh, but turns out you can't uh, try and sell things on campus without a permit so um i was uh, stumbled upon one too many times trying to do that and was asked kindly to exit the premises for the better part of one year. So <laughs> we're going to try and avoid that, uh, a repeat of that situation. Sell, uh, fake Oakley is out of your trunk. <laughs> and, uh, and Crocs. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, we will have the Perch merch coming your way uh, soon with details on how you can get your hands on a limited edition koozie we've designed. Um, so you can show all your friends how proud you are to listen to the number one UNCW sports podcast. <laughs>